Wendy B. Thank you, Wendy. Good morning. My name is... That's how this is going to go, I think. I'm going to start over. Hi, my name is Wendy B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Waukesha. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to thank Lisa and my friend Lisa for inviting me to come and share today. Um, um, so what, what I definitely need to do is just to take a moment of silence, if we could do that before I get started. And I want to ask God to speak through me this morning. God, I pray for your guidance and open mind to receive it and the courage and confidence to use it. Amen. Um, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about sharing in a general way what we were like, what happened, and what we're like today. And um, I'm going to do my best today uh, to hopefully, maybe I'll help at least one person in the room today. That's always the goal. Um, I grew up um, uh with a lot of insecurity, a lot of fears, a lot of uncertainty. Um, and, you know, in my world, I was surrounded by alcoholism. And um, that isn't why I'm a compulsive overeater, but that's, a, that's, that's my story as a kid. And um, so when I think about my relationship with food, um, even today when I look back at the events of my life, the situations in my life from the time it was very, very small, um, I can always equate that with food of some kind or what we had at an event. It always caused great excitement for me to have food. I think it gave me a sense of security. Um, also, it tasted really good. And... Um, and, uh, you know, that was a journey I was on for a long time. Um, I have a memory of just a couple things. Sitting on the kitchen floor in front of the refrigerator and eating all the nuts off the donuts. I don't know why I didn't eat the donuts. Maybe I did. I can't remember. Um, but just was always very intrigued by uh, especially sugar. I guess some people say they're a sugar addict. Um, well, that, that describes me pretty well. So um, I always felt emotionally inadequate um, no matter where I was. I always felt, although it looked on the outside like I, had, I was surrounded by a lot of people um, and I had a lot of friends, I always felt very isolated on the inside and, like I said, very, very insecure. But I was a good pretender. Um, I think within me there was always a certain sense of sadness um, and um, never like feeling like I was never cared about or loved enough. Um, one thing I've learned in this program is that I am selfish and self-centered. Uh, selfish and self-centered, and the big book talks a lot about that. Um, it's the root, you know, it's, it's a big problem. The root of my problem is me. So, um, in high school, I weighed about 125, 130 pounds, but I also suffered my entire life 
with my body image and how I looked. For whatever reason, I had this image in my mind that it was not 125 or 130 pounds. I felt like I, I looked, I looked bigger. Um, I just never felt comfortable in my own skin. And what I realized today is I just have an obsession with my body. Part of that selfishness and self-centeredness that I think comes from the, with for me, the disease of compulsive overeating. So. Um, I've gone through many periods of time in my life where I've been on the thinner side and where I've been obese. And I don't know how many times in my life I've gained and lost 50, 60, 70 pounds, but my experience was that I would go on a diet and I would lose all this weight and then I'd gain all the weight probably another 10 or 15 pounds, then I'd lose that weight. Just was this game, right? Up and down and up and down. And so when I was thin, I felt like I was good. I felt like I was right with the world. I felt like everything was okay. At least it looked like that on the outside. And when I was fat, I felt like an utter failure. And I had great shame when I was overweight going into public, And that self-centeredness, again, I thought people were looking at me, self-centered to the extreme. What I know today is that, you know, God loves me no matter what I weigh, um, but I I certainly didn't see that um, during many periods of time in my life. So I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I, I I suffered with a lot of depression over the years, and a lot of self-loathing. And um, I had a friend um, that I met in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I only mention that because um, maybe there's someone in this room who might be uh, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You might be new to Overeaters Anonymous. And the one thing I found out after I was here for a while, my credits in AA don't transfer to OA. It's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole new recovery. But anyways, my dear friend Monica, um, she 12-stepped me um, into OA. And the day that she 12-stepped me, there happened to be a meeting, and I was in Door County, one of their two meetings a week. And I think it was a God thing that there was a meeting that very day, and I went there. And I have to tell you, I was not happy to be there. Um, I had already, as I mentioned, been um, a member of AA, I'm also a member of Allen, and I thought, good God, three 12-step programs, and I joke today that some of us are just sicker than others, I speak of myself. But I'm blessed to be in all of those programs. They, they have all um, been life-saving for me. So anyways, back to 2015, I go to this meeting, and then um, my sponsor became Monica, and she lived in Door County. And so we worked the OA steps up through step eight, I believe, over the phone. And I did writing. We, we read through the OA 12 and 12, and it's got all those awesome questions and things to reflect on. It was very, very helpful to me. And then around step nine, um, Monica had some problems, and she, she had a relapse, and she got back into the food. And eventually she said to me that, you know, she thought it was important that I probably find another sponsor in OA. And at that time, 
um, I started going to um, the Saturday morning how meeting in Wauwatosa. Then it's at nine thirty, I think, and I see faces from that meeting, and I'm so happy to see some of you. It's been a while. But anyways, I, I, got, I went to that meeting and, of course, some other meetings in the area and the Waukesha meetings and so forth. And um, during this time, um, what abstinence looked like for me was I got off essentially everything I think of as sugar, like real sugar, like cookies, cakes, pies, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I did lose a fair amount of weight. Um, Although I don't believe OA is about the weight, it is about the weight. And it is, um, so I've lost, just so you know, somewhere in the area of around 90 pounds um, since I got here. And, um, and that really is a gift from God. But when I lost that 75 pounds, and I was working through those steps, here was the big problem. I might have been abstinent, but I never was recovered. And I look back and I would think, and they would say, you know, God's responsible. He's a star, right? But I would go, I didn't know this then. God who? It was me. I took all the credit for it. I was very cocky. I was arrogant. I was self-sufficient. And nothing changed except the way my body looked, which is what my life journey had been with, with weight, so, um, let's see, 2020, we all know what happened, right? The big C, I say. Um, we, we were, you know, COVID hit the world, and it hit us um, impactfully, as it did everywhere else. And there was no in-person meetings. And for a period of time, um, you know, until Zoom got up and running, I wasn't going to any meetings. What had also happened at that time was that I was working, and, um, and I got sent home to work full-time. Now, I want to back up just a little bit and share with you that I had had that experience with another job where I worked at home for eight years. And um, I was in a very, very dark spot during that time because I was very close to my refrigerator and my pantry. And I would eat myself into a food coma during my work day, and I really wasn't a very good employee. Um, so we come, we come back to 2020, and I'm at home. And first of all, I'm a people person. I love these people I was working with. And I was, I was so lonely, you know. Um, we were all pretty confined to quarters, right? Um, well, that was my experience anyways. And because I wasn't spiritually fit, um, eventually what started to happen is I picked up the food. Now, I didn't get back into this full-blown hiding four-pound bags of licorice and hiding all of my treats and my eating and staying up after my husband so I could eat before I went to bed um, and all of that. But there were some things that had sugar in them that I started to eat. And I was gaining weight, um, and uh, I was very depressed very depressed and felt very out of control. And um, I know during this time I was going to some Zoom meetings because um, Lisa N. was my sponsor. 
And this is what I was doing. I was committing my food to her every day, and I was writing every morning and sending to her. But as soon as I would send my food for the day, I was eating. But I wasn't eating the food on my food plan. And, um, and so I was just felt that craziness again around food, um, that obsession and the depression and the blackness, the blackness of compulsive eating. And um, so one night, um, I might not sound like much, but I had my sister had brought this big bag of some keto granola mix that it had less sugar and lower carbs, big deal. So I'm working on this bag, I don't know, in a day, and, um, and I'm, I'm hiding it. My husband would come in the room, I'm hiding it behind the lamp, and then he went to bed, and I ate more, and I went up to bed, I got out of bed, I come down, I get the food, I go back up, I come back down to get, and I just thought, this has to stop. I can't keep doing this. You know, I, was, I felt really crazy, just felt crazy and so out of control. And um, I wanted to die every day. I'm ashamed to tell you that. I, wouldn't, I know I would never take my life, but it's a terrible way to think and live. And I don't think I'm the only one in this room who can probably relate to that. So I, I said to Lisa one day, because I kept hearing on these Zoom meetings, people working the steps, working the steps, and I said to her, um, are we going to work the steps? And she loved me enough to say, I think you need to find someone else to work those steps with. And um, I think God did, did that for me. So I had been taking numbers down on these Zoom meetings, and um, I had written down several names, and, I'm, and, I, and I want you to know during this whole time that I was in this eating frenzy, I was on my knees every day. And I was asking God to remove my ego and my pride, and I prayed for humility, willingness, and surrender. And I guess in that day that God granted that wish to me. And in my head, this voice said, call the woman in Minnesota. So I gave this woman a call, and um, you want to talk about one tough cookie. Um, she told me in about 15 minutes everything she expected from me, and was I willing to do it. And not me that said it. I said yes. And I got off the phone. I thought, good God, who does that? Who does that? And... Um, and I don't know, I guess I know, to, well, what I believe in my heart of hearts today is that it was God's time for me to get, get back in the boat and start rowing. And so I worked with her very diligently, and we did work through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, before I divert too far away from this, I, I, I'm probably going to bounce around here a little bit. I, I, I wrote way too many notes to ever read, and thank God for you that I'm not going to. But I know that I want to say that I, you know, I love the um, theme of the conference being together we get better. And a couple of things I, that I did write about um, is the strength we have in numbers, the strength that I get, that I guess all of us get when we're going to meetings of OA and we're allowing ourselves to be sponsored. 
And one thing that they talked a lot about in that meeting on Saturday morning is making three outreach calls a day. Well, my case was different. I thought that was so dumb. I thought, what's the point? But what I realized, if I don't reach out to people and I don't make personal connections with people, some of them being quite intimate in the way of establishing some beautiful friendships with people all over the country today. If I didn't do that, I'd be doing things alone. And going this, going through this process, in my opinion, together is the easier, softer way to get abstinent and to find recovery in, in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, so there are certainly, I think, strengths in making decisions together. And so as things were, um, you know, as I was recovering through um, my journey and working the steps, you know, God revealed a lot of things to me. You know, something I learned is that, and, and um, you know, when I talk about the Big Book, Big Book, it's absolutely no disrespect to Overeaters Anonymous, but it's the basic text, and this came before any OA literature. And um, I do love the OA literature, and the, the 12 and 12 especially. But I learned that I had a spiritual malady, that I had a sickness, um, that I wasn't bad because I was a compulsive overeater. I have an obsession of the mind and a phenomenon of craving that once I take in any of my, my what I call alcoholic food sugars, I don't eat any white flour anymore, um, I lose all control eventually. I might be able to be okay for a day or two or a week, but a month, but I can't predict with any certainty where I'm going to end up. I'm certainly going to end up unhappy, I know that much. So the people in OA have been my stepping stone to God, to a real relationship with God. Um, And, you know, it's like those 12 steps. And I believe that what I know, and I'm just going to read this, and and, and I apologize, I'm bouncing around, but I think this is so true. You know, I always had it. The third tradition talks about that desire to stop eating compulsively. I always had it. But what what it says in the book is that lack of power is our dilemma. And unless we experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of my recovery. Something more than human power is needed to produce the essential psychic change. It must be a surrender to a higher power, who I call God, and entire abstinence. My higher power is the only defense, and I have to work those steps to change. And so um, I believe for the first time, now again, I'm going to back up, and I'm just going to mention I'm a longtime member of of AA, and I had worked through the steps, and I've worked with a lot of people in that program. But after many, many years, decades, being in that program, what I realized is that really the most profound spiritual experience I've ever had came when I worked the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And I guess it was just God's time. Maybe I was more ready to see myself who I, for who I really was. So, you know, I go through steps one, two, and three. I can't, he can, so let him. I realize the depths of how really, really sick I was and that of, my, of myself, I cannot, I cannot get to sanity on my own. I have to have that surrender to God and to come to believe in that God at a whole new level, to have a very different relationship. And so, like, when I came to step three... Um, it was all about surrender, surrender, surrender. And I still have to work that step every single day and remind myself that I'm a compulsive overeater and that he's the star of the show 
It's not Wendy. It can't be me. You're also the star of this show because you're my support system. You carry a message through your examples. And when you share your experience, strength, and hope. You know, I just had this memory that popped in my head. Um, I know where I was when when someone shared this in a meeting, and I was kind of new to coming around to the meetings and, and new in the program. And there's that part somewhere that we read about, you know, taking food out of the garbage, that kind of thing, eating Oh, I think it's in the 12 and 12. It doesn't matter where it is. You know what I'm talking about. So I used to buy these hard candies. I know I'm not going to go on, but I would buy three boxes at a time, and I would eat them until my mouth was raw. And so I had the grand idea one day that I would take them, and I put them in the inside garbage, tied the bag, took the outside of the outside garbage. Within probably, I don't know, an hour, I was outside digging that bag of garbage out of the garbage can, picking all of those candies out of that garbage, and I ate them. And someone had shared at that Saturday morning meeting that they'd eaten food out of the garbage, and I thought, I'm home. I'm not, I thought I was the only one that did that. And so, you know, again, you know, AA peeps, you're my support system. You help me to feel not different from, but to feel a part of by what you share with your experience, strength, and hope for me. So anyway, so back to step three. Um, so what I know is um, I talked about surrender, 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 and what comes with that is um, serenity and peace of mind. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, I found a lot of ego deflation at depths in steps six and seven. Um, when I made my list of character defects, I was quite appalled with myself, again, my ego. I couldn't believe how many character defects I identified in my life, active defects at that time in my life. And um, I kind of got a little st- I slowed down at that step. I, get, I know my ego was bruised. I just absolutely know that. I just couldn't believe it. And I just held on to the fact that I was really sick in so many ways. But I got through that. And um, so what I, of course, in step seven, you know, I, um, I, what I did is I wrote about my five, um, the five defects that were causing me the most problem at the time. And um, so started asking God to remove those things in me. But then I continued to also do the work. So when I did my fifth step, my sponsor and I wrote a list of people that I was going to write about in my eighth step. You know, make the list of all those we've harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. And then uh, I got to step nine. You know, one thing it says in the promises, my they asked me for a topic, and I didn't know what to say. I thought about it for a minute, and I said recovery and the, and the promises. Well, you know, there's a promise that says before we're halfway through, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And th- those were the feelings that had started to infiltrate my life. I knew happiness and joy and freedom at a level I'd probably really not ever experienced um, before at, at the place I was at in my OA recovery. So... I've been married um, to my husband for now 31 years. I have no idea why he stayed married to me. 
I treated him so badly. I was so angry all the time. I treated his children badly, my stepchildren. I was mad all the time. And it was all because I believe of my compulsive overeating and all the emotional and mental sickness that came with it, that comes with the disease for me. So I get to step nine, and um, first of all, I wrote several letters to people who had passed away. And now this, well, I was going to say the snow is gone, but that's not true. Um, I have a friend that died when, I, when we were 19. She died of a drug and alcohol overdose. I need to go to the cemetery and make an amends to her. I found out where she is. Thank God I saved her little obituary for 47 years or whatever. But anyways, back to my husband. So I sat down with him and, and made an amends. And it was so healing. It was so healing. And I believe that because of God and the ninth step, I'm bringing a different wife, a different Wendy to that relationship on a daily basis. I'm, at least I'm praying for that. I ask every day for God to help me to be the kind of wife and mother and grandmother, sister, employee, all of those things. I ask for that guidance. I'll say almost every day. So I feel like, you know, it's never too late in this program for me to change these relationships or change myself with God's help. So I think that making that amends to Michael was was just one of the best things I had an opportunity to do in my life. I had, because in 20, um, you know, because of work I'd done in the, in the steps before, you know, um, I was able to make amends earlier. I don't know if my, yeah, my dad was still alive then. My mother had passed away, but um, I was able to do the living amends with, with, uh, with, my, with my, my dad for sure. And now I'm trying to do that with my husband. And there was one relationship with my stepdaughter, Michelle, that was, oh, God, that poor girl. Um, I felt so much shame in how I treated that, that kid. And now she's a 40, she'll be 43 pretty soon. But I sat down with her, too. And, uh, you know, just, I think with God's help, I made it right as best I could. So now... I'm, I'm making living, living amends to her and just trying to, uh, to be a more caring, loving stepmother and friend. You know, we can be friends now. Um, so I'm working on that with God's help. Made amends to my daughter. I have a daughter, Rachel. Um, when I was in my compulsive eating behaviors, Rachel was a very chubby little girl from the time she was three years old. And she was bullied, and she couldn't find clothes that other girls her age were wearing. And um, I felt a lot of shame about that. And, you know, sat down and talked to her about the fact that, you know, she knew I, she knows I'm a compulsive overeater, and that if I could go back and change time, you know, I would have done that. And I was sorry that she had to go through those terrible, terrible things. And, you know, there's, there's just, in, in getting the forgiveness from other people, 
Um, it has allowed me to have forgiveness for myself, um, for the fact that I was sick, and that um, if I could have done better and known better, I would have done better, but I didn't. I just didn't. So thank God for the power of eighth and ninth step. I have no idea where I'm at on time. I'm just, I told her I'm praying I'm getting to a half hour. Um, so I guess what I'm going to do then is talk about um, steps 10, 11, and 12. God, let me get to 30 minutes. <laughs> um, so the 10 step talks about um, continuing to take personal inventory when I'm wrong, promptly admitted it, admitting it. So um, the big book talks about carefully following directions. And so I try on a regular basis, and my sponsor says, do this when you have any emotional disturbance. So I could be doing this every day, several times sometimes. Some days are better than others. So I'm really praying about to God to help me to see when I really need to write a 10 step. Because I don't know about you, I, it's easy because it's my lifetime habit to push things down and push things down. Oh, it's not important. I don't really resent that person. It's really not a big deal. I'm overreacting, right? That's what I did my whole life. And I don't know about you, but the anger comes out sideways. Or the hurt I felt comes out sideways. Or the frustrations or the unrealistic expectations of others. And my big character defect is anger. And so that's how it came out to the people around me. So I'm asking God to show me where I need to do the writing and to do it and then give it away. So what I've, what I've done, what I've been blessed to do by making all of these outreach calls, almost every day I make at least three. And because um, I only made two yesterday, this is an honest program. And my sponsees here and I always say, you make sure you make those calls every day. Um, but anyways... Um, what I, I have a little God squad, and I bet you have a God squad too. It's people that you, you have an intimate OA relationship with, and you call and you tell them what's going on in your heart and in your head, and maybe what's going on in your life that you need help with. You know, we, I, hope, I hope you have those relationships because I'm so grateful for them. So I call one of the gals on my God squad, and I give them my 10 steps. And um, there's a freedom that comes with that. There's a healing that comes with that. Because part of that process for me, I use these sheets that I got from my sponsor. And um, it starts off with a third step prayer, and you write about why you're resentful, what the person's done. But most importantly, it says, is there fear? It also says, where was I selfish? self-centered, self-seeking, and again, frightened. And then I have these sheets that give me lists of where I'm at with those things. And you know what I find out when I do these time and time and time again? There's a pattern. Unrealistic expectations of others. I know better than higher power how things should be going. They're not following my script. Oh, the list is long. Um, I'm playing the savior, the protector, 
the healer. So there's all these things that I look at within myself because I'm the only person I can change with God's help. I can't change other people. Then I come to step 11. There's some very specific instructions in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I should know where it is here, but... Step 11 suggests prayer meditation. We shouldn't be shy in this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. So it means I need to pray, pray, pray a lot. Not just at night. I saw it now. Thank you. I saw the 10 minute. Not just at night, but um, I say the serenity prayer a lot during the day. A big prayer for me right now that I share with my sponsees a lot, and it's so simple and easy to remember. I'm going to use my husband as an example. God bless Michael, change me. That's a big one. It says this works, back to prayer, if we have a proper attitude and work at it. It'd be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. So at night, I ask myself, oh, here's where it says, you look at resentment, selfish, dishonest, or afraid. Do I owe an apology? Is there something I should have shared with somebody else? And that's where I'll think, okay, did I do a 10-step and share it with somebody to be freed of those, um, those negative emotions? Because I'll tell you, emotions are what drive me back to the food. And if I let things pile, 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 I put myself at risk of having a relapse. And I just don't want that to happen because I don't know if I'm going to make it back. So God helped me to keep doing the work. Um, it says, was I thinking of myself most of the time, or was I thinking about others, of what I could pack into a stream of life? I must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish my usefulness to others, right? Um, And then after I make the review, I ask God's forgiveness and ask him, hey, what am I supposed to do next? What are the corrective measures I need to take? Um, Gosh, I wish I could remember what I was just going to say. Anyways, that's my nightly review, which oftentimes I do in the morning because I'm so tired when I go to bed. Excuse me. So i got to keep looking at myself, praying, and getting quiet. A big prayer for me um, that I think is so helpful to me is, um, God, take me to a place where I'm gladly ready to have nothing more important in my life than a relationship with you. Not money, not food, not stuff. All those things that can distract me from God. And then step 12, and um, this has become ultra-important to me, and I'm so grateful for it. I believe my job now is to be at a place where I can be of maximum helpfulness to others each and every day. Helping others must be the foundation stone of my recovery. 
constant thought of others must be my aim. My self-esteem, which I lacked for years or have had in varying degrees, comes from taking action, esteemable actions. And I think one of those things is not thinking about me and thinking about you and thinking about what I can do for the newcomer and what I can do to help others. One of the things I love about my, the Zoom meetings I attend is oftentimes there's phone numbers, as I mentioned, and they'll ask newcomers to identify themselves. And so I do try to scribble those numbers down and call those people um, um, and, and to just give them a warm welcome and just say if there's anything you need, you know, please reach out. So, okay. Let's see if there's anything else in here that I feel is important to share. I just want to, I guess I want to close with this. A couple things that I try to remember, and these are not things I came up with. They're not original. I take a lot of notes when I'm listening to meetings. First of all, the thing I need to remember is abstinence does not mean that I'll stay recovered forever. I have to continue to do the, do the work each and every day. What I know is it's not about the weight for me. It's about the recovery from my obsession with food, my compulsive eating behaviors. Because what I know is that there is a 300-pound person inside of me, and um, I want to keep that person at bay. One of the big problems I need to also remember, and this is why I think it's so important for outreach and to have a good relationship with my sponsor or my, my God squad or any of you, I try to fix my broken brain with my broken brain. And I, somebody said this not too long ago. I lied to myself in my own voice. And this obsessive mind of mine will always be with me. You know, God's got a good sense of humor. Last night, I dreamt about popcorn and licorice. And I thought, that is so weird. He must have known I was coming here today and I should be lightening up because this is the problem. So I used to hate my life and now I love my life. I try to make God everything to me, everything to me, because he's the answer to all of my problems. I just want to close with this. Susan will attest to this oftentimes, I will say, um, food solves nothing, right? It solves nothing. My husband is going through some really scary health stuff right now. And I was so this week into worry and fear and looking in the future. And then I'm reminded, um, God's got it. God's got it. He's not, Michael's not mine. He's God's kid. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I don't have to pick up the food. 
I don't have to put him at arm's length because I'm afraid he's going to pass away sooner than I think he should. And to remember that not only with him but with others in life, life just is going to continue to happen as it should happen. So I can't depend on circumstances or people to make me happy. That's up to me. And might I always remember that that happiness will come through keeping both my feet in OA, um, reaching out to others, loving others, carrying the message, taking an inventory, praying for God to help me and to help you. Because I think we all know what it's like to be in the blackness of um, overeating, that despair that comes from, from that. So I am grateful for my recovery, so grateful for the opportunity to share. And it was so nice to be here today and to meet some of you and see some of you I hadn't seen for a while. So thank you very much. Thank you.